0: This is Tell Me What To Read, the podcast from booktopia.com.au. I am Mark Harding, and today I am chatting with a couple of my fellow Booktopians about the books they're reading. A uh, big welcome to Ben Hunter and Sarah McDooling. Hi, guys. Welcome to the show.
1: Hello.
2: Hi, hey Mark. Thanks for having us.
0: Of course. Uh, let's get straight into it. Uh, we'll go to you first, Sarah. Uh, what are you reading, and what are you enjoying about it?
1: Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna I'm going to cheat a little bit because I'm going to tell you about the last book I read. And then I'm going to tell you about the book that I started last night. So I haven't finished one of these books, but it struck me so much. Just the first bit that I read that I think I'd like to talk about it. But firstly, one that I've actually finished and really, really loved is um, The Atlas Six by Olivia Blake. This is a book that I first heard about because it's a TikTok trending book. And it's part of the whole, like, Dark academia hashtag that's becoming really popular. I mean, this and is how
0: people discover books now, right? Like this, this is it's just TikTok.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, in my in my role as a book buyer, I have to sometimes investigate why books suddenly start selling a lot. And this book is not in my category, it's Ben. It's a Ben book, it's an adult fiction book. But it's um it's one of the ones that just people are loving on TikTok, And I can understand why, because it just gripped me. So I've heard it described um, as being dark academia and a little bit like um, the secret history, but with magic. And that is accurate. It also reminded me a bit for anyone who read or is reading the uh, Naomi Novik series, Oh my gosh! Deadly education. Um, it sort of reminded me of that. There's this like elite secret society that's kind of based around the idea that the um, the Great Library of Alexandria still exists and is protected by this group of people. The world I should explain is a world that's basically exactly our world but just as you can go to uni and study to be an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor if you are if you are talented in this area you could also go to uni and study magic and it's very like normal in this world for a lot of people like a lot of people have a skill at math some people just have a skill at magic and there's different types so there's like a you can be a a physicist. Magician, and that means that you can affect things physically in the world, but you can also be someone who can affect unseen things or see things. So, I'm just going to run you through the main characters because it's a great lineup of characters. And I think when I explain to you the characters in this, you'll understand why I got so gripped by this story. So, the Atlas Six refers to these six characters who are like nominated to be in the running to join this hyper secret, powerful society. And the idea of this society is that if you get in, you're basically made for life, your unlimited power, unlimited knowledge, anything you could ever want will be at your fingertips. And they only invite the six most talented people in the world um, to compete to enter. And of those six, and this is, I think, Again, what makes the book so good? Of those six, only five are going to get through. So, like, I think ordinarily when this sort of thing happens, you expect there to be one winner. But in this scenario, there's one loser. And so the whole book kind of reads, it's kind of like a murder mystery, but it's instead of wanting to know who done it, you're going to find out who's not going to make it. And um, Ooh. and so the whole way through, you you keep changing your mind as well about who you want to be the one who doesn't make it. And also then as the book develops on, you start to wonder what exactly does it mean to not make it through? Like, is there more to that scenario than was told to these people when they agreed to go into this in the first place? So briefly, the six main characters, Atlas Six, and Atlas is kind of the Dumbledore of this situation. He's the guy who goes around um, inviting these people to take up this opportunity. and. He goes to, so one guy um, has, Callum has the ability to, I guess you would say he's extremely persuasive. He can pretty much talk you into doing anything. Uh, Like they call his ability a a form of empathy because he he can control your feelings to the extent that anything he says, you will feel like is the truth and it's what you wanna do. But he also can use that ability to pretty much look at everything you've ever felt about yourself in your life and then with razor-sharp precision kind of destroy you emotionally. (laughs) So, like, it's, it's intense, his ability. And I think you would imagine people with this ability to feel others' feelings are either going to be really saintly and dedicate themselves to helping people or they're going to be, like, extreme psychopaths. And the interesting thing about Callum is that he's kind of, hasn't been really evil with his power and he hasn't been really good with his power. He's basically just used his power to help his family's business. And he's a rich guy, and you know, he's not a good guy, but he's not the worst guy. So he's kind of this question mark at the beginning of the book, and you're not sure where he's gonna go. There is a character called Parisa who can do the same thing but with thoughts, and she presents as quite evil. <laughs> but you know, throughout the course of the book, the thing is is that you never really know where these characters stand or how good or bad they are. And the author really, 100% why people have gotten addicted to this book, the author really juggles that very well, like painting these compelling characters and then sort of tweaking them and looking at them from all different sides or twisting the kaleidoscope so you see them from a different line. And so to begin with, Parisa is, she uses her power for bad, you would say. She's someone who controls people's thoughts and doesn't have much of a care for the people that she's controlling and kind of uses them like puppets. Then you have Reina, a girl who is pretty much like a battery full of life. So if you can imagine her walking through a supermarket, like every bit of fruit would sprout into a fruit tree as she walked past it, unless she actively prevents that from happening. So she goes through her whole life basically dampening the life around her so that it doesn't explode forth into like forests. That's the best way I can think of to explain her power. She's full of life and full of energy and living things, mostly plants and stuff, are drawn to her and they want to wrap around her and, and explode around her. And she hates her power and she doesn't use it. Um, and she's very emotionally repressed. You have these two characters who are the youngest members who have just graduated university when they're called to this, they're both physicists. So they have um, physicists in the sense, in the magical sense. So they both have uh, the ability to kind of control the molecules of things around them. They've been competing all the way through university and they kind of hate each other, but they also are kind of obsessed with each other because they define their happiness and worth in the world based on who's winning and who's um this endless competition they're going kind of gives them both life so there's those two and then there's a guy um who can see who has had what is seems to be a useless power his whole life which is that he can see through illusions um and it seems like a very benign power but he's chosen for this thing and when he's chosen, and he asks, why have you chosen me? Like, I've just got this kind of useful but not that useful power where I can see through illusions. And that atlas tells him, well, I I don't think you've ever really learned the full scope of your power. So it turns out there's more to him being able to see through illusions than you might think. And he has an interesting journey. Anyway, I think that's everyone.
2: I think that's six.
1: Yeah. So, yes, that's the cast of characters. I'm obsessed with them. Um, it's juicy, juicy character stuff. They all form alliances, it's a bit like Survivor or something because none of them want to be the one that fails. They all have really compelling reasons for wanting to join the society and none of them want to be the the fail and you as the reader, I mean, I must have changed my mind like 12 times while I was reading as to who I wanted to be the one that didn't make it and it's fascinating and I will just have a little warner a warning now for anyone who's thinking of reading this because I thought when I picked up this book that it was a standalone story. It is not. It is the first book in a series. So do go in prepared for that because I was not prepared. And it's the kind of book where I didn't realise until literally the last page that it was going to not conclude because it builds. It's not one of those stories that doesn't give you any kind of resolution. Like every character has a really strong arc and you can see that those characters are like, coming to fruition and the whole thing really felt like it was coming up to this crescendo moment. And then the author was like, here's a complication right at the end. And it just absolutely threw me. I couldn't believe that it wasn't the end of the story. So definitely read this book. If you don't like a cliffhanger, maybe wait a bit.
0: (laughs) Is Is book two on the release schedule yet?
1: I am not sure. Ben might be better placed to answer that because this book is in his category.
0: No, I, I, I
2: don't believe we'll, we'll have it uh, very soon, but uh, from everything you've said, Sarah, it definitely sounds like it's worth waiting for.
1: Yeah, it is. And I don't regret having read it. I do regret having picked it up without knowing that I was reading the first book in a series. So that's my warning. Don't expect everything to be wrapped up. Um, so the way, but,
2: the way you've... Um, the way you've explained those characters, it, it definitely seem, sounds like there's there's a series to be had in them. It's it's a really evolved and interesting world.
1: I'm glad there's more. Yeah, I am. It's um it's juicy and it's fun and and yeah, I'm really this is an author now where I'm going to seek out anything hmm. else that she's written. Um, Olivia Blake, I'm, I'm into her, and I'd say that's a big it's one of uh, one of the most gripping things I've read in a while. I would say.
0: Well, um, thank you, thank you, Sarah, and thank you to TikTok for. <laughs> thank
1: you, TikTok.
0: Yeah. <laughs> thank you to TikTok for bringing that to your attention.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, uh, what's the What's the other book that uh, that you started to read?
1: I feel like I spoke for so long about that book. I hope I've still got time to talk about this other one.
0: Absolutely. Of course.
1: Okay, so the other book I want to mention, and I do want to stress that this is a bit of a cheat because I literally just picked up this book and I've only gotten a little bit into it. But I wanted to talk about it purely because I think sometimes we have an idea of what to expect from a book and there's nothing that I like more than picking up a book and having quite a strong, clear idea of what I'm about to get into and then realising within sentences of opening the book that actually I think this book is going to serve up something quite different. And that is the experience I had, having recently begun um, Cleopatra and Frankenstein by Coco Melors, who I believe this is, I think, her debut novel. I hope that's all right. I should have checked that. Um, but I think it is. I think it is. And it is coming out in February. And this is a book which was described to me first as being the story of a a failed relationship between a young woman in her early 20s and a, a man about 20 years older than her. So immediately upon hearing that description, I have a pretty strong idea of what I thought this book would be. And I kind of was expecting, I don't know, like, I don't know what that description it left me a little bit iffy, right? Because I feel like it conjures up this idea that you're about to step into a book where there's a manic pixie dream girl, young character who's going to like revolutionise the life of a middle-aged man who's maybe a little bit like the guy from Cat Person, like the whole thing. (laughs) I sort of thought that's what I would be getting into. And so I was braced for that. It's like, because that doesn't sound bad to me necessarily. That sounds like something I would try reading, but I just didn't expect when I picked up this book to be, I don't, I haven't finished it. So maybe it is going there and that's what it will turn into be. But I I sort of feel like it's going to offer a lot more than that. And um, the writing from the get go for me was really sparkling and really like drew me in at a time. I picked it up when I was really tired and I was immediately wide awake while reading it. The characters seem like the type of characters that set up to be almost like a stereotype, but then immediately reveal layers and layers of stuff that, um, to take them out of that stereotype, if that makes sense. Like, And there's a cast of supporting characters for this. I feel like the main description of it being a failed relationship, like, you can see that these people are probably... I mean, I'm early in the book, but you can see that these people are headed for disaster. <laughs> like, they're not well-matched. They're not... The same age, they're not the same. Anything like they're very, they're very different. Um, you can tell that they're probably going to really fail spectacularly at being together. The basic premise is that the girl Cleo is um, a student, and she is going to have to go home. It's set in America, and she's going to have to go home to England. And this guy Frank, um, they meet at a New Year's Eve party in an elevator and immediately have this sort of great connection, this, like, sparkling back-and-forth witty dialogue type thing where um, she's not quite the ingenue, like, manic pixie dream girl you expect and he's not quite the creepy cat person guy you expect, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, they're both kind of operating outside of what you expect just from the vaguest outline of the characters. And then they, um, are for reasons to do with her wanting to stay in the country and her being really beautiful and him being quite smitten and her also being drawn to him, they decide to get married. And it's going to go to hell in a handbasket and you can see it from a mile away. But I feel like they're also going to really, it's going to be one of those, I hope what I'm saying is right. This is how I feel This in this early stage of reading the book is that this book will end with them having destroying their relationship but probably made each other better people um well that's well that's how it feels (laughs) next time next time
0: you're on the podcast sarah will you update us on on where you wound up with this book yeah and i I also just have to say with a title like that i'm a little bit disappointed that it's not actually about like dr frankenstein inventing (laughs) time travel next going back in time falling in love with cleopatra and then they move back and forward through time solving mysteries
1: together I mean, Mark, I would 100% read that book, but yeah. no, this book is not that at all. And actually the title comes from like a little personal joke from when they meet in the elevator, they like introduce each other and he's asks her, is, "Is what's Cleo short for? And she's like, well, not Cleopatra. And what's Frank short for? And it's not short for anything, but they joke that it could be Frankenstein. And that's where the title of this book comes from.
0: Everything about this book sounds <laughs> misleading, Sarah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is. I feel like it's a book that's like, It's got a gorgeous cover as well. Like everything about me, everything about this book attracted me, right? As a reader, I'm like, this sounds good, but I feel like I know what it will be. And I'm just at this early stage, like I'm I'm only like, I I don't know, maybe 100 pages in. And I feel like it's not, it's not not what I expected, but it's also not what I expected. And I'm, I feel like I'm being a bit incoherent, but hopefully that makes some kind of sense. Like it will give you what you want, but it'll give you what you want in a way that you will somehow find a little bit surprising.
0: Excellent. That sounds great, Sarah. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> um, and we look forward to hearing uh, your your full thoughts on on um, uh, Cleopatra and Frankenstein uh, when you're next on the show.
1: Maybe it turns out they do time travel. I don't know. Like they could easily, that could be the whole thing. That,
0: that would be, awesome. be the end of this book. <laughs> but then like if, if that does happen, then even though, She's clearly written the book before I came up with that idea. I would still like some of the um, royalties. but That's only fair. Only fair. Uh, All right, over to you now, Ben. Um, What have you been reading and what have you been liking about it? Um, I want to talk about a
2: couple of books. The first one I'll talk about is called The Island of Missing Trees. It's uh, a book by an author called Elif Shafak, who's Turkish and lives in London. Uh, and it's brilliant, right? Uh, she, she, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. It is, um, it comes from an author who is essentially living in exile in London. She can't go back to Turkey. Her books, uh, are banned there, but they're some of the most widely read books in Turkey. Uh, she's a feminist, um, and, uh, Turkey's, uh, not, a great place for feminism at the moment um, or maybe it's a place that needs more feminism. Let's put it that way. Uh, and she writes just incredibly compassionately uh, is is the way I'd phrase it. Uh, her last novel was one that totally rocked my world. It's, it was called 10 minutes, 38 seconds on this strange world. And that was a book about a sex worker who had been Murdered brutally, who in the ten and a half minutes um, that it takes to go brain dead from receiving this horrific injury um, has this kind of Prussian recall of the life that brought her to where she is, and uh, there's an incredible assortment of of people that come into that life, and at the same time, those those people are trying to find her and, and discover what has happened to her. And it is a, it's this, this really clever and, um, superbly constructed, uh, and just, yeah, just heartful book. Right. Uh, and this new one is very different to that, but also, uh, it has this quality that brought me straight back to 10 minutes, 38 seconds on this strange world. Uh, it, that that just it's drenched in compassion. Uh, this book, The Island of Missing Trees, is about Cyprus, um, and I've learned a lot about Cyprus this year. I I just had this inkling. I, I used to go to a barber who was from Cyprus, uh, and he just would not want to talk about his time there. Uh, there was a war in the seventies, a very brief conflict, and something happened. I just knew nothing about it. Uh, this this book um, takes you back to uh, 1974, I believe it is, where there's two people uh, in love, and uh, one is uh, Turkish Muslim, and the other is um, Orthodox Greek, and they they go to um, a tavern, which, you know, in, uh, I don't, from my time on Greek islands, the tavern is an important place, the taverna, uh, to spend, spend time together. Um, and the, the tavern is all is built around a fig tree and this fig tree kind of absorbs their story. And the the men who run this tavern have a beautiful story of their own, which will end in tragedy. And, of course the events kind of, um, projected into more recent history in a, um, in a home in London, uh, a suburb of London, uh, where this man who fell in love in Cyprus as a, as a teen is now an adult. and is burying a fig tree, which is something that gets done. Uh, people who've, who've moved or on from uh, the kind of beautiful, warmer climates in which fig trees um, grow, they adore their fig trees. They take them with them. This man has brought a, a cutting of this fig tree from the taverna with him to London and has planted it, and is loving it. And that that fig tree has the stories and the trauma of the conflict, um, which divided Cyprus uh, within it. And it's now giving up those stories to the reader in its own special way, which I won't go into too much detail about. It sounds corny, but it's done very well. Um, and But yeah, he has to bury the tree because of uh, winter storms. And it's something that he's actually done. They, they bury the trees and they bring them back to life. Um, it's, it's, it's really, it's just insightful and it's clever and it just, uh, it's very moving and very simple. It was picked up by Reese Witherspoon's book club, which I thought was brilliant. What a great pick for them. Um, I have mean, I just, yeah, I, I think that's going to get it, um, a lot more readers and it's got a beautiful cover, everything about it. I just, I'm loving, um, it's got some brilliant endorsements who kind of sum it up better than I do. Uh, Robert McFarlane, who wrote The Overstory, he says, it's a brilliant novel, one that rings with Shafak's characteristic compassion, there you go, for the overlooked and the underloved, for those whom history has exiled, excluded or separated. I know it will move many readers around the world, as it has moved me. This, Just brilliant stuff.
0: I'm actually going to say, while you're talking, it sounds like it does have a little bit of an overstory flavour to it. Um, yeah, it trees. Sounds, yeah trees. Yeah, trees, <laughs> yeah.
1: I also want to just bring the superficial part in and say that it has a gorgeous cover, that book. Every time I see it, those colours just sing to me. It's beautiful to look at. And that's not the only reason. I've got it on my um, wish list, and not just because it's a pretty-looking book, but also because Reese Witherspoon told me to read it, and I do always listen to her.
0: You listen to TikTok in Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. If she gets a TikTok account...
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's just why, it's right? <laughs>
0: Thank you for that, Ben. What's the uh, what's the other book that you've been reading? So,
2: Mark, I'm I'm knee deep in uh, a well known novel from a few years back called A Little Life by Hannah Yanagihara. Gahara. Uh, I'm looking at Sarah through the Zoom camera, whose whose jaw has just dropped.
1: The book um, that killed me. I <laughs> I got resurrected from the dead after reading that. book. <laughs>
0: Well, we yeah, had yeah. we had Joe we had Joe on the show last week, and she was talking about her new book, the one that's coming out. That sounded awesome. So I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about A Little Life.
2: Yeah, wow, well, it's uh, it's killing me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's like this this new one that Joe is reading. Um, it's a tome. It's 700 plus pages. It came in out uh, it came out in, in 2015 it was and, and, it, and it was on the the Booker short list at the time uh, it is about four guys um, who moved to New York after college um, whose each of their life is on a tra- different trajectory um, but they have this formative friendship uh, which is tested throughout uh, the novel to come and and one character is is just like the center of gravity among them, and his his name is Jude, um, and you find out very quickly that unspeakable things have happened to Jude, and that Jude is completely reserved and and unwilling to participate in life in the manner that you would expect from a young man um and is just remains an enigma even to those who are incredibly close to him uh it's 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 a beautiful story of of male friendship and 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 love um in in many senses um and yeah i it's it's a big one it's a it's a hefty book and and it is is like deeply troubling some of the areas it goes into. Um, it's a hell of a reading experience. You yeah, know, I'm, I'm talking about sexual abuse, self-harm, uh, attempted suicide, really dark, dark, dark places. Um, so far it is. Um, and, and yeah, this, just reading some of it, it just, I, um, my partner has been, um, just asking me, am, am I okay? Because I, I'm just sitting You're on the couch. You're not okay. With this, You're reading we, a
1: little lie. Laugh. <laughs> I'm
2: sitting, I'm sitting on the couch with this book in my hands, going, no, no, no. Like, just, just calling out in agony. Um But there's 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 tenderness uh, that is is really gorgeously done. It is there's is very refined writing that is is telling the story. Um uh, I have had um, anxious thoughts around, you know, it, is this um, just very, very well done <sighs> tragedy porn? You know, um, mm-hmm. or is, or does this have a deeper value? Uh, and I, I think as I as I head towards the the finish, I think I'm I'm gonna find a lot of that value. At the moment, I'm in a very dark place with it, as you could kind oh, of imagine. Um, the one of the best things for me uh, reading this book has has been has been this older character Harold, who comes into Jude's life, um, and Jude becomes a kind of surrogate son for him. Uh, and Harold has gone through his own trauma of of losing a child, um, a child that dies young, Uh, and that just the way that trauma of losing a child has affected Harold's life and given him this unique perspective and invincibility in a sense. It's kind of an emotional invincibility, um, even though he's, he's still very, very human that to me as a reading experience has been really interesting. Um, And yeah, I'm, I've got, I've got many, many more pages to go. It's a, it's a big book, so we'll see what happens.
1: I'm so interested to hear how you feel at the end of it. Cause I've never been able to, it's really strange to not feel like you can recommend a book, not because it's bad, but because like, I can say hands down that, I don't think another book has had such a strong emotional effect on me. Mm. But the effect is not pleasant. So like you feel like you can't recommend it to someone because what you're recommending them is that they get walloped by this like pitiless, relentless tragedy and sorrow without hope. And it's like, it's not like a depressing book, you know, like it's not like a, any tragedy I think that I've certainly not that I've read before because like I literally for days after reading that book woke up with this heavy feeling of sorrow like what happens when you actually lose a loved one like the Mm. relief I felt when I when I identified the source of that feeling as a fictional book that I read was extreme because I was like oh no nothing actually terrible happened in real life it was just the carry-on hangover of sorrow from that book was so strong and so on the one hand, you want to recommend it because, like, I've not been affected like that by a book before. Um, not that gave me that kind of emotional hangover, but at the same time, how can you tell someone to go out and read that because they'll be really miserable for a while afterwards.
2: Mm. You, met, said, you, you met the author... Yana Gahara, when when she toured Australia, it would have been maybe 2015,
1: 2016, right? I did. And she was amazing. And I'm really excited to read her new book. And I've never been brave enough to listen to the podcast that we recorded with her that day because I cried in it. And it was because I read the book the day before. Like I had finished the book, woken up that morning with a sense of extreme grief that it took me a few moments to identify as being from a book. Hmm. And then I came in to work and recorded a podcast with her and my I, I emotionally was all over the place and I had tears rolling down my face in the podcast. I've never been brave enough to ever listen to it. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a no book has done that to me. And I, like, love reading and I feel like I've read many books that have affected me and deeply and that have affected my life and who I am as a person. But never has one ratcheted my emotions in this way. Like... <laughs> I I've, I've never sort of been able, had an emotional response to a book that I've been unable to distinguish from real life, if that makes sense. Was yeah,
0: that her it, first was, was that her first book? No.
2: There was there was there was a debut before that, which I don't know very much about. It was it was republished after a little life became a kind of popular success. It was called The People in the Trees. And I know nothing about it. So don't ask any follow-up questions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I haven't thought. This, this,
2: this new book that Joe is reading is is going to be entirely different to A Little Life. It's, it's going to be very interesting. I'm, I'm going to be watching very keenly to see what the reception is. Um, yeah. But yeah, had, this, had this had is an author number. like no other.
0: Yeah, her description of it last week makes it sound like um, it's very different. Um, and, you know, normally when you guys um, get get so enthusiastic and, and so detailed when you're describing a book, I'm always like, oh, yeah, I want to read that. But I don't think I'm going to read a little. Life*. I'm too emotionally fragile. Hard, I, I, I feel sad just hearing conversation. I
1: kind of want people to read it, but I feel like irresponsible telling them to read it without a, at least warning that that it might give you a grief hangover for a few days. But that in and of itself is amazing, like that a book could do that to me, I feel is, it makes it notable.
2: Yeah, Yeah,
0: definitely. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, uh, guys, for your recommendations today. I've really enjoyed the conversation. and I hope that all you listeners have as well. Uh, you can find uh, links to the books that we've discussed today in the show notes or just head over to a little website. We like to call booktopia.com.au and have a search and add things to your shopping cart and your wish list and buy them. And it helps us keep podcasting and it helps our website to you know, continue existing. So get on it. And as always, uh, never stop reading.